0: Good morning everyone. Morning. Alright. Noah and Will are passing out your outline for today. Uh, let's continue in worship this morning. You all are singing like crazy. I love it. Love to hear it. Give me a sec to get an order. When Stephanie and I were eating breakfast this morning, she looked at me I was looking at my notes and she goes, are those your notes? Let's see if I can read. What my notes are, so that we can have a wonderful time this morning. What's my time, guys? What what do I have to? 10:30? Thir- well, anybody? I don't care. You don't care. Ooh, I won't even turn my timer on. Are you guys ready? <laughs> yeah. All right, turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter two. What? <laughs> ready to stop already? Acts chapter two. Acts chapter two. We're going to be in a couple of passages. In Acts this morning, um, you better get a pen. Do you have a pen? Get a pen. Because this is not a passive activity. Today we're going to be talking about devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching. When you're teaching, there's learning. When there's learning, there's teaching. So I expect you to pay, take notes. You should be taking notes. I spent a lot of time creating an outline for you. Have I made you convicted yet? Pull out those pens. Pull out those pens. Yes, I have a ton of notes. Okay. As we get started, let's pray. Frame our thoughts and our minds. Father God, we come to you in such dependency, Lord. We come to, to, to you with a spirit of ex- expectancy. Your spirit is here among us. Those who are believers, you are in and, in our hearts you're surrounding us you are with us we expect you to meet us we expect you to open our hearts and our minds to your word we expect that this time of teaching is a continuation of worship to you lord we've just sung amazing songs to you that that express our heart and and the desire that we we, we want to become changed by you that we praise you for who you are and what you've done for us and this morning as we Open your Word, we ask you, Lord, to just give our hearts um, and minds uh, new understanding, uh, new um, wisdom from your Spirit. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. And I broke this thing already during the prayer. Jeez, don't even know my own strength. All right, Acts chapter two. We're going to spend uh, some time. Okay, does everybody have their outline? Okay, you got it. Okay. This is where I'm going. I want you to see where I'm going today. These are the three things that we're going to cover. All of this is important. I want to frame our thoughts for Acts chapter 40, 42 and, the, and the, uh, the, the, um, those who were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. I want to look at some of the terms that are part of that. I want to look at the teaching process that's revealed a little bit in this chapter. And then I want to lead us to... There's probably many more, but I want to lead us to seven characteristics of what the apostles' teaching would be, okay? So those are the three things that we're going to do this morning. So Acts chapter 2, 42, uh, and then we're going to jump over to Luke 1, 1 through 4. So we know this one, Acts chapter 2, 42, and I'm reading out of the ESV, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Okay, that's our main text. Turn back over to Luke chapter one, verse one through four. Now, you know that Luke wrote Luke and Acts. So we have to look at what Luke was doing in in the book of Luke that is seen in the in the extension of the book of Acts. So Luke says to us in Luke chapter one, he gives us this his framework for what he's wanting to do in these two books. Luke chapter 1, 1 through 4, says this, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to, to us, it seems good to me, having followed all these things closely, for some time past to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So that purpose continues on in the book of Acts. So he's writing, he he is describing what God was doing in the early church and helping us see what that looks like and helps us frame uh, our thinking. So... Number one, framing our focus. We have to look at the context in which Luke is writing so that we understand what he's saying when he says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Luke's purpose in writing the book of Acts is to describe God's work to grow the church, okay? In doing so, he describes, if you have your your pen, he describes, underline this, a framework he describes a framework that we are able to leverage to provide the focus and faithfulness to him for his glory through the great adventure. Okay, this has given us a framework for the purpose of the church. Equally important, Acts, the book of Acts, serves as a transition from God's old covenant teaching to the New Testament, revealing his ultimate purposes to fulfill his promises to Israel, and to the world, okay? So Acts is that book that is pivotal and the apostles' teaching is helping the community of believers understand what's changed from the Old Testament, Old Covenant to now what's happening after Christ's life, um, suffering, crucifixion, and resurrection and, and ultimately ascension. So let's frame that we have we we know this the new testament books are yes the apostles teaching but those weren't there yet so so what luke is telling us is what how this happened how we came to get the the fullness of the apostles teaching after they were written which is depending on your scholarship these books new testament books were written anywhere from early 50s to late 60s. So this is what's happening post Christ ascension in the, in the growth of the early church. And I think that's helpful for us to know what was what were the apostles supposed to be teaching, and how does that help us understand uh, uh, how we live and act today. So so that frames us. It's a uh, Luke's giving us a description of how God is growing His church. He gives us a framework for what the church would be about. Now, let's look at some terms. We're back in Acts two forty-two. Let's look at some terms. They. So you got a terms. You got two things involved in here. You got terms and you got a process. So we have they. Who's they? All the believers who uh, Peter had just preached the gospel. And the Holy Spirit added to their number around 3,000 plus, well, approximately 120 who were with Christ. So there's, you know, somewhere around 3,500, maybe some more. Those were the people who were devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they devoted. Last week, KT and Joel did a wonderful job talking about what devotion means. You have this handout. You should be keeping that uh, available. Uh, we want you to see this. And, uh, keep, keep taking notes here. They devoted themselves. Okay. What does that mean? Well, there is both a personal devotion. They devoted themselves and they collectively devoted themselves. So it wasn't just one person saying, I'm going to be devoted to the apostles teaching. It is we as believers together are going to vote ourselves to the apostles teaching. To what? Everybody's, in in one sense devoted to something. Who you listen to. Who you allow into your brain, who who you allow to speak into your life. The bulk of that, the quality of that, as we learned last week, the quality of that devotion will tell you who you're devoted to. They devoted themselves to something. Something impactful. Something that someone unique had. Something that gave life. Quickly, John chapter 6. Turn to John chapter 6. didn't want to jump too much around, but John chapter 6, 68. Jesus had just explained eternal life, and many were taking offense to what he was saying. And 66, verse 66, he says, After this, many of the disciples turned... And no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? What did Simon Peter say? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of what? Eternal life. And we have believed. And we have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. These people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to Peter, those who said, Who else are you going to turn to? Ask yourself that question. Who else are you going to turn to? There is nothing out there in the world that can fill you and the things that you need in your heart. Nothing. Devote yourself to that which is eternal. I don't care what podcast you learn, you're listening to, what TV program you learn to, it is all going to end up into an empty cistern. Who are you devoting? Where are you spending your time? What you put in your brain is going to come out. Trash in, trash out. Okay? The, the, these people devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay, the apostles, quickly. These were the chosen ones of God. Those, These were not perfect people. These were the 11 that we see in verse 1 of Acts. They added Matthias to their number. And Jesus Christ himself added who in Acts 9? Saul, right? So these were the apostles. And they devoted themselves to the teaching. Okay, those are the terms. Process. This is the how. I love this. As a communicator, teacher, educator, this is something that's very important. You have three people. Okay, now what I want you to do, take this exercise, take a pen, I want you to make three circles on the back of your paper. Draw three circles. They should intersect, okay? They should intersect. We're gonna talk about these three circles. There are three people that are part of the teaching learning process. You should probably know where I'm going. Acts chapter 2, 42 says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And then if you drop down into verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Who's involved in the teaching process? Me, as a communicator. Who else? You. And then who else? The Holy Spirit. Three people. This is why we are purposeful in how we set up the service in the morning. This is why we say it's important for you to take time to be in the Word and prayer before you get here. You come here with your mind all jumbled up, worried about all the things from last week or worried about what you can't control later in the day or the next week, and your mind is not in the right place. Okay? I'm responsible to do a couple of things as a teacher. I have a purpose. Number one, as my prof in Dallas Seminary said, I sure hope that I'm not boring you with the Bible. Howard Hendricks said, Bore them with Shakespeare, but don't bore him with the Bible. This is the most exciting text that you could ever open, and you will never, ever understand it. You're always learning. Okay? Dwight Pentecost, one of my professors, He taught my Acts and Pauline epistles. He was old by the time, very old by the time I was there. And he would come in to class. He'd start over here, and he'd come in, and he'd have have his Bible. And he would open up, and he would start the class every year with a new Bible. Blew me away. This man that had been teaching for 40-plus years, his conviction was every year he was going to buy a new Bible so that when he read it, he wouldn't be influenced by what he previously knew and he was always met with something new. The word is living and active, okay? So my job is to help you understand, to be, uh, to, to communicate with conviction, with clarity, and with accuracy. Your job is to be faithful. Are you faithfully doing what you need to do to be the person that can receive truth on Sunday morning or anytime you're gonna study the word. That's on you. Okay? Are you faithful? Are you available? Are you making your heart and your mind available to the Lord? We're gonna see this in a little bit as what is what happened when the apostles were teaching. And then are you teachable? If you hear something that disturbs you, are you teachable? You see something, anything that one of us says up here, major very likely should offend you because truth is incisive. Truth will get at your sin. And if I make you mad, okay, great. When I'm teaching the Word, you should be stirred. Okay? If something that I say brings some conviction, call me later. Let's go have coffee. Let's talk about it. But the truth should be unsettling to you. It should be transformative, and it should be incisive. It can, should The Spirit will convict you. So that's the third piece in this teaching-learning process. The Holy Spirit is going to make the growth. I'm supposed to teach with conviction, with clarity, with authority. You're supposed to be faithful, available, and teachable. And if we have those together, the Holy Spirit has has a place to work. Now, he can break through all that stuff. He can break through us being knuckleheads and not being in the right frame of mind. He can do that. He breaks through all of our knuckleheadness to convict us and lead us to Christ, right? So he can do that. But when you grow, as, as, as the elders are praying for you to grow in your faith and growth and understanding of who Christ is and what God's doing in your life, in your family's life, in the world, the Holy Spirit has to play a part. In your growth, okay. So keep those things in mind. So that's those are the terms. That's the learning process that inform us. How are we doing? Oh man, I'm just at 18 minutes. I'm just getting started. All right, now we get to go to um, to the third point. Now, again, I've I've listed there. So there's this horizontal process between me and you, listening, me communicating. This is why, as an educator, (coughs) teacher. I want you engaged. Okay? I want you with something in your hands. Very few of us are like Jacob over there that can just, just talk. It's amazing how this guy has re- recollection. He can't, he just speaks. I'd have to write everything down that comes out of his mouth. He's ama- it's amazing. Right? But you should be taking notes so you remember. You actively be participating in this. Just don't, don't sit back. Don't sit back there and just go, eh, I'm just here. No. We want you to learn. The Holy Spirit is here. We're going to teach the word and we want you to hear it. And then there's that vertical relationship. The Spirit is here. Are you listening to Him? So horizontal, vertical. Continue to ask, man, if those are hard things, ask the, man, I don't really understand that. Write that down. Go, go, go check it out. I've listened to all the people that I have looked at and studied when I'm bringing you some, a, a word. You want to, you want to go back and check me? Go look at the people that I've read. OK, they're going to talk a lot more about what I don't have time to say everything that they say about these passages, but that helps you understand where we're headed. All right. So armed with these characteristics, armed with with this understanding of the terms, learning process, the characteristics we want to learn, um, you will be able to understand the content that we as the leadership team at Great Adventure uh, is committed to share to shepherding you into. All right. We we are com- we are committed to teaching the Word of God so that you can grow in Christ. And broadly, as we unpack what the Apostles' teaching would be specifically, broadly, this teaching includes all of the Old Testament and prophets, and it's explained and expanded through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Okay? So, now, third point on your, on your outline. The Apostles' teaching reveal God's progressive plan to restore all things to himself. Okay? Christ is the pivot point in his desire to recreate the new creation. Okay? It's not a, it's not a stopping point. It's, it, it's the new lens that we get to see reality from. Okay? So, <clears throat> let's look at some texts. Luke uh, 24, let's look at Luke 24, Through 49 first. So we're going to read these texts, and then we're going to come up with seven characteristics that would be a part of what the apostles' teaching would be. Luke chapter 24, 44 through 49. Start there. Then we're going to come back to Acts chapter 2. Luke chapter 44. Then he said to him, He that is Christ, these are whose words? These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law and Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Verse 45. Then he, who's he? Jesus Christ. Then he, again, this is the risen Christ. He opened what? He opened their minds. He opened the apostles' minds. I don't have the time to deal with this, but I think this is huge. I think Christ really opened their mind to the true reality of what had, what is happening. And then we get to be a part of that and see how uh, that fleshes out. Then he opened their minds to understanding the scriptures and he said to him, to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Verse 47. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name, that would be Christ's name, to all nations. Beginning from Jerusalem, verse 48, you are my witnesses, you are, you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father. Who's that? The Holy Spirit, right? sending my promise of my father upon you but stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high so that's our first text jump back to acts 2 acts chapter 2 starting in verse 14 acts 2:14 but peter standing with the 11 lifted his voice and addressed them men of judea all who dwell in jerusalem let this be known to you and give ear to my words These people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. So now Peter is invoking what was just said, Christ said, through the law, the prophets, and the Psalms. He's going to reference some of this. And in the last days, it shall be verse 17, Be God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, even on male servants and female servants. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. That's the key. You can mark that one. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs above the earth, blood, fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes. The great and magnificent day and ooh look at this verse one and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved verse 22 men of Israel hear my words do you hear what's happening when we talk about the Apostles teaching it is communication being under the teaching of the Word of God is key just thought I'd say that, that was for free okay Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs. We'll come back to that. God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definitive plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed uh, by the hand of lawless men. God raised him up, uh, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David, here we go, here's a song. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the path of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence. I love that. That psalm was one of my favorite. I'm glad Peter brings it in, in the New Testament. Uh, Brothers, verse 29, I say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and is buried and, is, and his tomb is with us today. Okay? Being therefore a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he set one of his descendants on the throne... He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Jesus, this Jesus, God raised up, verse 32, and of that we are all witnesses. Verse 33, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the praise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing, for David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, and I will make your enemies a footstool. So much truth here. Let's keep going. Verse 36, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, here's the key. This is one of my, one of the key verses I learned in, in Christian education years ago. What happened? Your response. They heard what was said. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter, What should we do? See that process? They heard it. The Spirit cut them to the heart and they said, There's a response. It's a process. And Peter said, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for, there it is, circled out one, all who are far off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptized and there were added to that day about 3,000. Okay, those are... Wow, I wish I had three weeks, okay? But there are seven characteristics that we can pull from these two phenomenal passages about being devoted to the apostles' teaching, okay? We now see Peter and the apostles... Um, later on in Acts, Paul, they're going to flesh out the fact that with Christ's death and resurrection, that veil has been torn from top down. The old way of doing things is different. Please keep in mind, the people that heard this didn't have the kinds of understanding that we have in scriptures. They were still thinking about the old way, and it was the apostles' opportunity and responsibility to help them and us understand. So the apostles' teachings include these seven characteristics. Here's number one, you're gonna be ready to write. Okay? There's a whole lot more. <laughs> I'll just say that. Caveat, a whole lot more. Um as you're writing some other things down on the passages that I just wrote read, uh also write down Acts three twelve and Acts ten thirty four through forty eight. So here's a, here's a, huh? Yeah, so Acts 3.12 and Acts 10.34 through 48. You're going to see some of these same narrative uh, discourses that are going to come from the apostles at different times. So you're going to see consistency in that. I chose these two. Okay, number one. The apostles' teaching is, first and foremost, authoritative, authentic, and came with power. Okay? That comes from Luke 44 and 49. 2, 44. It's authoritative. Jesus said, these are whose words? These are my words. And you are my disciples. And I am now transferring my authority to you. Okay? So the apostles' teaching, first of all, came with authority. And it was authentic. They bore firsthand knowledge. They saw it. They were a part of it. They experienced it. They screwed up when they saw the feeding of the 5,000. They didn't comprehend things, but they were eyewitnesses to it. And it came with power. Christ empowered them to accomplish what he wanted. So the apostles' teaching was authoritative, authentic, and it came with power. Verse 41 of Acts chapter 2. Who? added to their number through their teaching, the power came through the Holy Spirit. Right? They had power. So, number one. Number two, the apostles' teaching is comprehensive. That's your first word. Comprehensive. And exclusive. That should offend you. It's comprehensive. How many times did we read, this is to all nations. Okay, Jesus said, it's going to be from Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the world. The gospel has been open to everyone. Peter helps us understand that in Acts uh, chapters 10 and 11. He talks about Cornelius and seeing that there isn't a need to go through Judaism to be a believer. Okay, this is comprehensive, but exclusive. Comprehensive, but exclusive. For what? Acts chapter 4, 12 says this and there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which you must be saved. This is my brother's problem. Can't stand the exclusivity of gospel. Okay. He's going to have to stand before the Lord because we know his truth. It's comprehensive. It's exclusive. Uh, I've I noted verse 44. Or forty-seven. Note some other verses I just read. Acts four, four, twelve. Okay, there's exclusivity. Um, I already had you write down ten, thirty-four. Write down thirteen, sixteen through fifty-two. Acts thirteen, sixteen through fifty-two. You'll see this um, this uh, print, this uh, characteristic of comprehensiveness and exclusiveness of the apostles' teaching. Okay. Third, the apostles' teaching reveal that Jesus of Nazareth. Okay, everybody, remember everybody said, Jesus, where's he from? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Jesus of Nazareth is the fulfillment of all the law and all the prophets. Okay? He did this in three uh, uh, three ways. I don't have time to chase a lot of this. This is so good, though. Um, he was attested to by his miracles, right? Uh, his life and death. And then his ascension, all right? This is what helps us know that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. Secondly, we know that with his new standing, with him being both uh Jesus the Christ, which is the Messiah, he is also Jesus Lord. Lord being the most important because that gives him the authority to be with God in Trinity. Okay, So Jesus is Lord concept. There's a theological thing there. And he is also Jesus Christ's Messiah. But his being Lord gives him the ability to be equated with God. This is what uh, the the Israelites hated. He's he's putting himself on par with God. Yeah, because he is Jesus, God the Son. Okay, so third... the Apostles' teaching real that Jesus of Nazareth is the fulfillment of the, all the law and the prophets. Fourth, uh, the Apostles' teaching understand uh, expands our understanding of doctrine, specifically the Trinity. Did you see that when we read um, a couple of our passages in uh, verse 32 and 33? Watch it. This Jesus... God raised up, we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, having received from the Father the Holy Spirit. There it is, Trinity. The apostles' teaching expands our understanding of our triune God. The God that is co-equal, co-eternal, with subordinate functions. They function together, but they are one God, and three persons. Fifth, the Apostles' teaching is a message of consequential transformation. Consequential transformation. Acts 3. Let's look at this. Acts three, six. You guys know this, but it's just fun to look at it. Peter, we have this beggar. You know that story. Peter says to the beggar, I don't have silver. I don't have gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What happens? He's up. It's consequence. Transformational, consequential transformation. Acts 5.20. Let's look at Acts 5.20. Yeah, this is after the priests, of, um, they got jealous, they arrested them, they put them in prison. During the night, the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. That would be cool. Could you imagine hanging out? Angels like, boom, let's go. Come on, guys. You're rubbing your eyes. And they went, go, verse twenty. Stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of life. It's consequential. <clears throat> God is doing supernatural things to authenticate their message. <clears throat> what happened in Acts chapter nine? We not have time to turn to that. Saul. Jesus says, boom! Saul, why are you persecuting me? And what happens to him? He becomes God's chosen instrument to take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's consequential transformation. He takes someone who is persecuting and killing his people and says, no, I want him to go speak the words of life. If you all are sitting here and don't comprehend that what you're listening to and who you serve is a consequential, transformational message, we need to give up. Don't leave here just thinking that this is a normal teaching. You are a son and daughter of Jesus Christ, and you have a transformationally, consequential message for people. People are dying. People don't know Christ. Live your life in such a way to have consequence. Don't just live it and just flippantly live life. Live it for purpose. Let them know that you understand we know where things are headed. It's consequential, brothers and sisters. Our job is to help you understand why we don't need to worry about where things are headed because Jesus Christ has this thing figured out. We know things aren't going to get better. You may lose your house. Okay, I hope it doesn't happen. It's consequential. That's the message of the apostles. Number six. Number six. It reveals God's sovereign plan to fulfill his promise. I didn't have time to to look at all of those uh, texts. When we go back and read uh, verses um, uh, 14 to 41, and you will see how... Peter reveals to us that Christ is the, he is the fulfillment of the Davidic promise. Jesus said, I will put someone from your lineage on my throne. Theologically, we have, there's some differences of opinion on that. Some people think that, that Jesus is now reigning currently on the Davidic throne. I do not agree with that. I believe he is at the right hand of God, and when he comes back, he will be sitting on the throne of David. That would be for the millennial kingdom. So if you've come from more of a reform perspective, you think that's happening right now. Okay, I disagree with that, but but this is his sovereign plan. He is fulfilling what he said he's going to do. From the Abrahamic covenant, we know that all nations will have experience to respond to the gospel. He is sovereignly accomplishing his purpose. And he's not done. It, w- it, it didn't stop with Christ. Okay? All right? You can get mad at me about that, but Christ is the pivot point, but that's not the focus. He is still doing things to accomplish what he wants in order to recreate perfection. The new heaven and new earth, that's where he's going. Christ helps us move towards that progressive plan. So it reveals the, the apostles' teaching, reveal God's sovereign plan. Seventh, and finally, as we close, <clears throat> this message, this is a message, their message, the message that we now steward, is a message that, that demands a personal response. It's, and it's authenticated by the power of God through the Spirit. So it demands a personal response authenticated. By the power of God we saw that in verses 37 and 39 where they said hey they heard it they were cut to the heart and Peter said and they said what shall we do it, it, it's consequential it requires a personal response it's not, it's not a communal response you individually have to respond to the gospel and it's through the power of the spirit that you will understand yeah I'm in need of the Savior. There's not a thing I can do to earn my salvation. So it's, in summary, it's a message of authentic authentic, and authoritative power. It's comprehensive and it's exclusive. The gospel is going to be offensive to people. It reveals that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and prophets. It expands our understanding of doctrine, especially the doctrine of the Trinity. It's of consequential transformation, it gives us the the grounding that we know that God is in control, it's sovereign, He's doing what He's gonna do, and we get to be a part of it, and we have to respond to that message. The question for you that I will leave you with as you as a learner, how are you gonna respond to Him and what you've learned in these in these seven characteristics? What is, what is He saying to you specifically? So that you can respond in faith. Maybe you don't know Christ and it demands a personal response. If Jesus is leading him to you, you, himself to you, take care of that today. Talk to one of us of the elders or anyone. We'd love to help you understand what true life is. If you have not been living a life of consequence, maybe that's what he said to you today. Who are you listening to? Are you letting other people that have cisterns that lead to destruction question you? Are you allowing people to say what Satan said so many eons ago? Did God really say? No. We know this truth is true. Let's pray. Father, thank you for meeting us here today. Thank you for revealing your truth to your apostles. Thank you for, thank you for allowing us to be a part of the teaching learning process where we can we can hear, and we can listen to you and respond. Thank you for, man, just the knowledge that we can know that you are absolutely in control. There isn't a thing that you do not know, that you are, you are our hope. And thank you for making it possible to reach you through your son, Jesus Christ. We, we are so thankful. Holy Spirit, stir up in us what you want us to do in response to your word today and help us to be faithful in applying that to our lives and help us as a community of believers to uh, encourage one another to respond with conviction and with devotion today, next week, and the months and years to come. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.